Well, it happened. <laughs> and it happened to me, Jake. I hope all your musings about rabbit dominance were so funny. So funny for you, you know? How do you feel, Jake, knowing that you are a confirmed witch? <laughs> Am I? Or I was just, I, was I just looking at statistical likelihoods and just knew rabbit dominance is not only the best, but just the most likely? Right, yeah. Most likely, which is I'm why... I'm a statistical witch. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how many tournament games there's been, but I think it's close to 100. <laughs> Probably. Um, and this yeah. is the first dominance win? Yeah, this is a historic moment in uh, competitive root. And I think I can chalk it up to witchcraft for sure. Yeah, it feels <laughs> like it was. Uh, definitely that uh, flop was cursed. Well, <laughs> let's let's put some context into this a little bit because it was historical, but there was some like there were some conditions that had to be met for this to happen the That's way it true. did. Because there's a three player game in a tournament. First off, that never happens, and the draft was the Marquis de Cat. The what were the two vagabonds? Thief and Arbiter? And Ronin. Oh, and Ronin, right. Okay. And then the fourth faction, because there was only four in a three player game, right. were the otters, which were inaccessible in the opening draft because the cats have to get picked before they can be opened, right? Right, right. This okay. is correct. Okay. And so in turn order, this was uh you and two other players, and you got the first pick of the draft. Mm, thanks for telling me that. Yeah. Um so <laughs> telling the listeners. My, I was thinking that the thief is clearly the better of the two vagabonds, right? Okay. And the vagabond is clearly the better than the cats in a vacuum. In a vacuum. Usually. Mm -hmm. you, yeah, mm -hmm. usually. Um, I wasn't thinking about dominance when I was drafting in a competitive tournament game. But you, what were you thinking about? Which I think your your thought has rationality to it. You were thinking about how, like, the cats are everywhere, and we get, even though it's Despot Infamy, we get Infamy for sniping cats. And that's an easy thing to do if you're just going anywhere you want, right? Yeah, I was interested to see what the race would look mm -hmm, like. Mm -hmm. And I thought with, I, I mean, first of all, I kind of thought that the person after me would choose cats. See, that's, yeah. th that's what I, that's the other context that I think is very important is like you went ahead and chose a vagabond and like, you're like, well, now they gotta do it. <laughs> yeah. But. <laughs> but yeah, they went with Ronin, <laughs> yeah. I think, because they were thinking that they would farm the cats too. But yes. Mm -hmm. uh, without the otters in play, we obviously had no rule to speak of. Um, and it wasn't even on the first turn where I was like, oh, this is definitely going to be a problem. I mean, I knew it was going to be a strange game. But once dominance factored in, I was like, oh, that is actually what that player should do. Well, the conditions will also increase by the fact that this is on the mountain map, which holds the fabled lost city in. Mm -hmm. Right. Which we have discussed on this podcast opens up possibilities for dominance. Yeah. We just never thought we'd see it in a tournament game. <laughs> no. Yeah. But and I, I, and I yeah. really didn't think it would happen to me. You know what I mean? <laughs> you, you see these things happen. I was just talking to my coworkers. They're like, oh, we just had a game where the Lizards won with dominance. And I literally told them, I'm like, that's because somebody played wrong. Well. <laughs> and that was me being snarky. But, and, and of course, just desserts that that happens to me in a tournament game. But I think that the fact that it was a three-player game is really what shapes a lot of this. Yes, the conditions really did set this up. It's not that I am a witch. It's just so much that like frogs rain down from the sky because a tornado happened near a lake 
You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But like, it's like if you had talked about f- frogs falling from the sky as your favorite root card on every episode. You I know mean, what I mean? It's going to happen once every 20 million times, <laughs> statistically speaking. So you're saying bet on black. I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so this is a little bit, we're jumping the shark here. Hi, this is Woodland War Machine. Welcome. <laughs> um, <laughs> I literally was like, he hasn't mentioned this is Woodland War Machine in like the past three episodes. I wonder I if he remembers. I've been dropping the ball. That and on the weekly challenges. Here's the weekly challenge this week. Don't lose from dominance. Show me any root game. Everybody's a winner. First person to show me a root game when this episode drops. That uh, They played and didn't lose to a dominance victory. Dominance doesn't even have to be played because it's just most likely not going to be. Um, first person who doesn't lose to dominance wins this week's challenge. We haven't talked about this, but I think the real salt in the wound here is that on Mountain Map with the Lost City, the Lost City occupied a formerly rabbit clearing. So yes. while it every was the other worst suit, dominance. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was the uh, one suit that had the least number of clearings right. on the map. And they still won with dominance on it, which is like they played dominance on hard mode and still won. <laughs> I mean, hard mode would be like a normal game. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's two vagabonds who can't do anything about it. You, yeah. Sam, l- thinking back on that game, like, do you think that your you and the Ronin, your forces combined, could have stopped the cats? No, we were openly collaborating the entire game. <laughs> we were telling each other what we found in the other ruins so that the other person could get what they needed. Um, you guys had I, your own informal coalition, honestly. It, yeah, yeah, of course. We're yeah. just two travelers in a forest that's only populated by cats, yeah. and it turns out, angry rabbits. <laughs> They don't take too kindly to outsiders. I mean, positionally, they had a better option for mouse dominance, but it was about the card they actually could draw, right? They they ended up swapping do- rabbit dominance, right? Yeah, there was a turn where we could have taken it from them, yeah. which in retrospect is probably the biggest blunder. I think, I think I defend my draft, my decision knowing what I knew about my draft. I think I'm okay there, um, but we could have swapped and I didn't, I totally blundered that. That being said, then we're talking about them finding another dominance that you said was more, that was better. Yeah. It would have been a turn later. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Who yeah. knows? But the thing is, I don't even think they needed the dominance to like totally win that game, though. That's what I'm wondering, Kyle, is like. Yeah. I if think we if, raced, what would have happened? Yeah. If you raced and actually kind of started hitting each other in your own race, because you probably would have gotten the like, the cats can only do so much at some point if you guys are knocking them off to get points. So. It would have been a real, uh, you know, game winning, like kingmaker decision, I think. I, I mean, think. the cats got was had a point lead for much of it, too, didn't they? I well, mean, the cats they build, always they, do. They, yeah, that's true. They build the buildings quickly, but still. And they're just popping out cardboard. I, at, at a certain point, though, it's hard to judge that game because they had yeah. switched to dominance. You right, know, right, it's like, oh, right. there's a bunch of undefended cardboard. You know, they would have obviously right. defended that more. So it's hard to say. I do think that. It, even with Despot Infamy, I think I was on track to give the cats a good race at the very least. But Yeah, this, and it would have been a closer race if you would have had more boots. Yeah. That was I the got, thing, is the competitive vagabond thing where the, you're like, 
you know, pulling items from a shared pool. It's a zero-sum kind of game, and the Ronin got all the boots. I had, yeah, I think I had a boot to craft in my hand at one point, and, but it was already, like, red alert. Like, I need to use that hammer to give me my crossbow back so I can prevent the game from being... Oh, absolutely. And, and to be fair, too, it did come down to a few unfortunate roles. Yeah. Uh, for example, yeah. not not being able to take out the keep and, uh, you know, a particularly painful uh, role towards the end trying to stop that dominance play. Yeah. Yeah, we so. were all... It was luck-dependent from as soon as they played dominance. Like, all the Ugh. roles had to be as good as possible, and yeah. So I checked it out on Syria's Root, the Woodland Companion website... Uh, root.syria.com and uh apparently two vagabonds and the marquise de cat is a reach of only 17 which is supposed to be viable <laughs> given those circumstances i don't think that felt like a very viable game to is it me. reach <laughs> itself not viable anymore? It's like... <laughs> uh, there's been a lot of people calling into question should this flop exist in a three-player game especially in a tournament format and i i think that that makes a lot of sense to have that conversation uh i'm I'm honored to play in a game that feels like we need to change the game (laughs) because of how it turned out isn't that Um, like i feel like that's up to the draft like the the players to make that choice is like you chose the vagabond so then one of them should choose the cats to get the otters in. I don't know. Yeah, I think you all I, made your bet a little bit. Yeah. Oh, and I don't feel bitter. I don't feel I like don't. I was hard done at all. I right. was actually delighted that I was a part of it and that I was this surprised. It was a blast to watch. By it was, how it was, it went. Was, yeah. <laughs> and uh, if you if y'all want to watch it, you can. It's it's a, a twelve minute game on Garrick Samples Games. <laughs> it is on. No. So as of this recording, it's on Garrick Samples Twitch, and I can't provide a link because it goes up on his YouTube like a week or two later. So uh, you can find it there, and if I can retroactively add it to the description, I will. Yeah. But uh, great game. Uh, game five of the Root Tournament. For yeah, but root tournament. that's not the only Root news. Dun, 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 that's right there were six other winter tournament games that happened as of this recording and one of them just ended um i was watching it on the bus ride home uh and even uh at when we were filling out this episode description i've I, i've been uh watching it right that was on uh, lake map right game seven yeah game seven was on lake map and i will say i've already i gave no spoiler warnings you need to know my uh emotional uh, situation going into this episode that is required to know what's going on. But if you don't want to have these games spoiled, I would skip two or three minutes ahead. I don't think we're going to spend too much l- longer on this. Um, maybe uh, editing Jake could come in with the uh, timestamp here of when you could skip to if you're trying to avoid spoilers. Hey, friends, future Jake here. Um, editing Jake was a mutual friend of ours who disappeared on a camping trip with Sam back in 2013. So he obviously will not be able to provide any information. But if you want to skip ahead to a spoiler free section of the pod, you can go to 18 minutes, 59 seconds. OK, back to the show. <laughs> editing Jake. <laughs> He already came. You, you're introing him again. Editing Jake. Hey, friends, future Jake here. If you have any information leading to the whereabouts of editing Jake, please email me at jake at goodtimesociety.com. Subject line, editing Jake. Any tips are very much appreciated. We're hoping to bring editing Jake home sometime soon. Okay, back to the show. He's just going to keep <laughs> in coming like, what? I already did it. <laughs> okay, well, you know, uh, we don't get to talk. It's kind of like a one-way thing uh, <laughs> okay. with me and editing Jake. 
Hey friends, Future Jake here. That comment that Sam just made makes me believe that he not only knows what happened to Future Jake, but he actually might know where Future Jake is. Sam, is this true? Okay, back to the show. Okay. Okay, he just uh, asked what, you a question though. We're just going over the winners. Oh, what did he say? Just answer. That is correct. Okay. Hey friends, Future Jake here. Oh my God, okay, back to the show. Okay, um, <laughs> we're just gonna go over the winners here. Some of these games we got to watch in depth. Others we've been kind of keeping tabs on. So game one, uh, or Kyle, you're best at the tournament recap. You should do this. Kyle, tell us what's up with the winners of this week's tournament. <laughs> Absolutely, Sam. Game one uh, took place on the winter map as is appropriate for the winter tournament. Classically, we think of the winter map as being the most balanced map or the kind of most grindy map that oppresses uh, almost all factions equally, which is wonderful. But this game was pretty bananas. It featured... Um, some great players, among them Nevikineza, longtime Ooh. fan Shouts of the pod, out to Nevikineza. Uh, who went for a double build despot opening, which is just wild and like yes. set a real tone for this game. But closing it out uh, was Cosmicant with the Woodland Alliance. Uh, and this was by no means a sure thing. This was a topsy turvy game, really worth a watch. It was it was super entertaining. Game two was on the lake map and. For my money, I think this might be my favorite game of the Winter Tournament so far. And that's saying something because there have been some other excellent games as well. But this one, top to bottom for me, was just like a thrill ride. I was just could not predict for the life of me who was going to close this one out. So it's on the lake map. It's a big red faction mess, right? We've got the Eerie. We've got the Lord of the Hundreds. But Thuy closed the game out with the Corvid Conspiracy. Yeah, a wild comeback victory after the the Corvids had been basically shut out of the game more than one time. <laughs> <laughs> it was absolutely wild. Uh, I've, I'm calling it extremely good TV. Go watch it. And as a reminder, in this year's tournament, the Corvids have gotten a very slight buff. Right, they've had a uh, plots added to their their eight are now twelve. Essentially, they have three of each instead of two, which makes guessing the exposure a little bit harder. Yeah, Kyle, did that come into play at all? It did come into play. It's a small buff, but it really makes a, quite a big difference. I think mm -hmm. Garrick said it best. He's like, for, for such a small change, it actually has a very positive impact on, on the game. It, it just basically means that the exposure kind of hack to stop the Corvids becomes a little less certain. You can, it's harder to kind of Sherlock Holmes your way into um, completely brick-walling another faction. <laughs> game three took place on the winter map, of course. Uh, and this game was a little more like slow and cautious than uh, these other games so far. Everyone was kind of like setting up in their territory, doing their thing, trying to play a little bit like uh, kind of close to the vest, you know, not giving away anything. Uh, but after a certain turning point, things get a little wild and crazy and it's a super, super fun watch. Strong recommend. But ETO, congrats for closing it out with the duchy on the winter map. I was just about to guess, if everyone is playing slow and cautiously, I bet the duchy if they're in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they, they were able to get a sizable advantage. But uh, as you'll see in that game, it's not just a camp your way to victory okay. type of situation. It's, it gets quite active. It's good. All right. Exciting finish. Okay. Game four. Uh, this one was kind of interesting. This one also featured a, a low reach game. Uh, although not the lowest <laughs> reach game that we will see this winter tournament. Hey. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> congrats to Magic Zamboni, who closed it out with The Thief. That was the super long game, right? 
That was the super long game, yeah. yeah. That over four and a half hours I have here. <laughs> which is uh, brutal. This one also was on the winter map, by the way. Next up, we have game five on the mountain map featuring our one and only Murder, She Root. Woo! Um, this one's a quick watch, so you, you <laughs> owe it to yourself to go and check it out. And we haven't said big congrats to McWarmaker for pulling out the oh, first yeah. Dom yeah. victory. I mean, uh, a pleasure to play with everybody in that game. It was a fun one. We had fun. Um, I am curious to touch base with McWarmaker about at what point they kind of knew what was going to happen. Um, I think it's easy to say, you know, they knew the whole time, but I'm unconvinced. I I want to know. McWarmaker, if you're on the if you're on uh, the Good Time Society Discord, I will give you a special title of you know <laughs> the rabbit dominant person. That's totally yeah. yeah yeah. Just let us know. A million percent deserved. All right, and game <laughs> six was on the autumn map, and longtime friend of the pod Walrus Law closed Woo! it out with the vagrant in another double vagabond game does walrus raw ever lose their first games they, i feel like they always crush in the tournament when they're getting in there they've only lost one by my count crazy and it was the semifinals i think look this the walrus is a machine well rival yes. saw was a vagrant vagabond in this right so that's two vagabond wins that we've that we'll have seen because we're about to announce another one yeah so uh the thief got close but did not actually get to 30 points uh, Walrusaw crafts coins and then aids cards to cross the victory line. It's a super, like, checkmate, no rolling of dice. Uh, just really locked it down. So congrats, Walruslaw. Always, Walrus uh, always uh, great uh, to have a strong, upstanding member of the Root community win a tournament game. It's, it's yeah. always exciting. And a contributor to Woodland War Machine. Go ahead and check out that episode. People were just talking about how that was one of their favorite episodes. And I Aww. agree. Getting inside Walrus Law's head is uh, uh, is very valuable to your competitive root experience. All right. And we got one more. Yep. The last but not least, game seven on the lake map. We had another duchy victory. This time coming from Root Maneuvers, which is a kick-ass name. Great name. Yeah. yeah, it is a good name. Also, PJ Dark R was in this game as PJ. the as the cats. Um this <sighs> this that. one was really weird. This is the one we just got finished watching where it was a three-layered cake of clearing suits on the lake map. Oh. Where the top four were all one suit, the middle four were all another suit, and the bottom four were all fox. <laughs> It was weird. And so everyone in the chat, of course, is like, oh, cat dominance. You know, that's the new meta. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, very, very close game. There was a lot of like considerations of who we got to hit, you know. But in these kind of situations, who kind of always sneaks out the best is those darn moles. They're so good. That's a bonkers setup. Yeah. All right. Uh, now that you have uh, received your spoiler-free intro here, we've got some kind of like mistakes we'd like to correct from our last hireling episode. Uh, Jake, I feel like you have a better handle of what these were than I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there's only a few of them, and they were all provided to us by our good friend Nitro Riff. Uh, Love Nitro. Nitro. Nitro brought up some really great points. Uh in the Woodland War Machine channel of the Good Time Society Discord, which if you're not a member, come on and hang out with us. Uh, the first one that they pointed out, which is that Warm Sun Prophets must move the relics uh, of the Badgers because the word in the card says 
move as many pieces as you can. I think we had theorized mm-hmm. that, oh, you could just move the badgers away from their relics. But one of those crucial wordings of the Wormstone Prophets is they must move all or as many pieces as possible. Yeah, right? and pieces, I think, too, is, is right. key. The special teams of this also is that the Warlord can't be moved outside of their turn. So you actually could isolate the Warlord by pulling yeah. all of their warriors off of them. Yeah. The Wormstone Prophets just have really... Just like a lot of appealing cheese that they can just distract a whole horde of rats, except for one. <laughs> um, additionally, we had mentioned that uh, we were trying to like hack a way to get a, a Wormstone Prophet into the same clearing as the Keep. And we had theorized that, well, you could false orders them in, which is actually not true because there is a, a ruling, which I think I looked up was... Let me double check it. I think it's 16.4.3 subsection 4 by memory. Let me double check <laughs> that if I got that right. right. That sounds right. Uh, which is separate actions. The second sentence of this is hirelings cannot take actions in other ways. Parentheses such as from their controllers move actions, false orders, or the vagabond's allied relationship. So unfortunately, false orders doesn't work on them. And actually, speaking of the vagabond, this uh, last note, which I find really interesting, uh, deals with the fact that allied pieces are still enemy pieces. And we're not talking about coalitions, we're talking about (laughs) allied pieces, okay? So for the Vagabond, the definition of of an enemy is a player whom you're not in a coalition with. So you could force an allied player back and forth over bandits, for instance, and as long as they aren't coalitioned with you, they lose warriors. Uh, this is a quote from Nitro. Uh, there's there's weirdness still when you get coalitions involved. Uh, if, if the Vagabond is coalitioned with the allied player and moves them over the bandit, then the moved player doesn't gain warriors if the Vagabond controls it, but also doesn't lose any because the bandit is no longer an enemy. The moved player gets the benefit only if they themselves are the controller and not the Vagabond. So strange. Interesting. Um, wow. Yeah, like there's some real interesting. I mean, Sam was just lamenting coalitions and allies are like such a wonky different terminology and how they work with how you treat your enemy slash friend. Yeah, <laughs> like, and then you throw hirelings in the mix, and now yeah. we've got mm-hmm. all these like, what is our relationship to these things? Totally get this. I totally get this. It's like you have like a treaty where you're officially allies with another country, right? And then like. You know, you guys are not enemies, you're allies. But if you're just smuggling arms into a country, you could still be technically opponents or enemies. You're just you're just supplying them with illegal arms. You're pulled over by bandits and like, we need one of you. And they're like, you can take him. That's fine. We're not. We're, we're actually enemies. In fact, this is a really good way. If you're a, a vagabond that has somehow gotten to allied status uh, and is moving them over the bandits, you can actually make that. Uh, controller's pieces lose warriors without going hostile because you are not the one removing them right wow interesting yeah bananas this this is a edge case on top of an edge case (laughs) well this all culminates in the fact that we let the whimmies decide which of these hireling pairings should move on to the next round of the world cup for the hirelings and by a pretty dramatic vote score it was the warm sun prophets and of course the lizard envoys which moved on uh the official vote was 26 to 13 so two to one wow very impressive that is good that's good i'm glad i like that we're going with the Wimmy's votes going forward nothing says a world cup like a democracy you know what i mean (laughs) like well i mean you guys you guys got the bribes i sent right i didn't get a bribe Oh, uh, we don't just, worry about it, Sam. What? Yeah, yeah don't worry about it, Sam. <laughs> My votes me. cost a lot. 
All right. Well, here we are, folks, at the next group stage of our Hireling World Cup. Today, we are looking at Hirelings from Group C, a.k.a. the Underworld Hirelings. Uh, and we are looking at the demoted side. Obviously, next episode, we're going to do part two with the promoted side. So today, we are talking about Mole Artisans, mm-hmm. Raven Sentries, ah. and the Stoic Protector. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, should we just get into it? I think we should just jump into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. All right. Here we go. Jake? <laughs> <laughs> it's never necessary. I'll just say it. People won't know who you are if I don't constantly Wait, why is he starting? you Why hasn't Sam cued him yet? <laughs> I just love that it's like, all right, let's get into it. And then you just have to immediately pass it off to somebody else. <laughs> Mole Artisans, as an ability for the controller, whenever you craft a card with an item, you may reveal it instead of discarding it. At the end of evening, return the cards you revealed in this way to your hand. Parentheses, you may end your turn with six or more cards. That's wow. pretty good. That's pretty cool. Honestly, if it was just you can end your turn with six or more cards, I'd be like, mm, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you get to recycle the card that you quote unquote spent to uh, craft an item, which is pretty sweet because you could theoretically craft that item again. Yeah. I mean, you can't do it the same turn, right? Because the no. card is revealed. Right. I mean, you could always do it if you had two of the same card. This doesn't change that. But uh, it's you out of could your hand, do it for, for next turn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's still in your hand. And you've already presumably got the crafters for him. Right. Uh, really helpful for that. All right. So who's it good for? Who do we like? Obviously, my, my first mind always jumps to lizards. Oh, to have six cards. And more <laughs> importantly, to not discard one of the cards that you might need because it's a particular suit. Mm-hmm. You're All right, so there's one T left, right? You have a mouse T card that you use to uh, craft it. You just reveal it, and then you get your revealed cards back. And then the next turn, you can discard that to score. You don't even yes. need, you know, if the if the T's are all done or whatever. Even just having that, so so helpful for lizards. Yeah, I mean, we the whole like manipulation, further manipulation of the lost souls is, I think, so important too. Because oh, right. you don't want to teeter that edge, and you don't have to anymore. You don't have to t- take the debate of like, oh, do I craft this and and potentially ruin my hated outcast? You don't have to. I don't think people consider that really though. <laughs> if you if you're gonna craft an item for some points, you're gonna do it because you don't. You, you don't get to control the outcast, you know? No, but you would delay doing it until later, presumably, it's right? It's true. It's That's true. what I'm saying. It's like if yours is the make. I mean, yours isn't going to be the naked break or break because you're the first turn of the right. outcast. I know, yeah. I know. But I'm just saying you don't have to unbalance it. For sure. Vagabond and rats are obviously pretty important because, you know, they can get their gear and then get the card back. Yeah, they can <laughs> double their um, items basically for nothing, which is amazing. Oh my uh, and conversely, this does help to check the Vagabond and the Warlord, because every time you craft an item, you get the chance to immediately try again on your next turn, potentially keeping it out of their hands until they can you know, come and grab it from you or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you would at least get the points and the item for that for that time. I mean, obviously, having six cards is great. For Badgers, they can add more ba- cards yeah, to their badger, hand. Badgers are going to love it, for sure. I mean, we're just saying, if do you like having cards, then you're going <laughs> to like this guy. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just good. Overall, it's just like a powerful ability. 
I think yeah. we struggle sometimes to like try and find all the connections, but we do have to remember these are the demoted hirelings. They're not supposed to be like combo machines, but they have the potential to be. Yeah. Who does it? Who does it counter? Once again, uh, the lizards. <laughs> you got lizards. Just just because it gives you that extra control of the outcast suit a little bit. Like, does I don't it think people think about them? that though, Sam. No. What? I don't think people think about that though, Sam. Well, the the other people will <laughs> when they're adding to the lost no, souls. You you are a hundred percent right. <laughs> Don't get us into root court again. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I thought of another example of a faction that this uh, specifically helps out, and that is the river folk. Because yes. you can commit funds to craft this item, and at the end of your turn, it goes back into your public Ooh. hand where you can then sell that same item. Great. And what still, like, receive funds. I, I think that'd be, that'd be a fun way to, like, get the maximum benefit out of the coins or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean... Alliance wants it too. Like, then they can train with it later. Yeah. Yeah, in the next turn for sure. Yeah. Who does it counter? Lizards. And now that you brought up otters, I think I just like miss them. Like, being like, I don't need to buy your items. I can reuse my own. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a little helpful. It doesn't, it's not a hard counter to them, but it, it does take some of the wind out of their sails, I suppose. Self sufficiency. It's good. <laughs> the main part of the game that this actually counters is the tinker. it's true (laughs) it's like i'm gonna craft a tea and i'm not gonna put it in the discard pile for you to get i'm gonna craft another tea on my next turn and then you have to at least give me a couple cards for them you know oh the tinker's pissed about these guys (laughs) (laughs) the tinker hates artisans yeah yeah Yeah. you make stuff out of trash these guys make beautiful like (laughs) artifacts and things (laughs) out of stone i guess (laughs) yeah unclear what the really heavy is. teapot yeah okay so should we rush to get this one it depends on your hand right yeah i, I could see an, a reason for it because if you can craft both of the items out yes. of this supply before yeah. anyone else gets a chance i mean that does feel like a yeah. good thing to if rush you've for. got one of the cards that has two items that are on the board you probably rush to get it so you get it before whoever has that other card right to play it right the bottleneck is the ability to craft, I think. Right. Right? If, if you can craft something in your hand, go for this card. Craft it okay. twice. But if you lack that ability, I don't see why you would rush to get this. Unless yeah. unless you're the kind of faction where, like, building your engine also, and scoring points, like, also helps you to craft, like, the river folk. Mm-hmm. Where, like, dropping early trade posts means you can craft. Oh, yeah. Um, and it also scores you enough points to like push you across that line quickly. Yeah. I don't know. That might be worth racing for uh, if if your kind of engine lines up in that way. Yeah. The answer to the question of should you rush it is just look at your hand. <laughs> right? I mean, essentially. like you need, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. If you have something you can craft, yeah, I think it's worth rushing for probably. The problem is the way you rush for things is usually crafting. <laughs> Um, (laughs) yeah how do you rush score points yeah that's true you don't want to use those cards to do that until you have the engravers with you or artisans i mean mean, some factions it's like putting down infrastructure that's not totally guarded Mm -hmm. can get you some early points that might be a little less responsible but you know those are the kind of considerations you got to make all right so some card interactions we've got some good ones first is the forge landmark okay the forge landmark takes one of the suits and makes all those items extra valuable uh, as long as you have a piece at the forge. So to clarify, uh, each 
each item has a suit corresponding to it based on its card type that it, that crafts it. Is that right? It's or based on the crafters. Costs. Excuse me. Based yeah. on its crafting costs. Right. Yeah. So it's the swords, the crossbow, and the hammer or fox. The mouse has this, uh, the um, bags and the tees, and the rabbits have the boots and the coins, right? That's right. If you have a faction piece at the forge and you craft one of those, you score an extra point and draw a card? Yes. Okay. Even I mean, if you have dang disdain for trade, contempt for trade, or aversion to trade, <laughs> or a- allergy to trade, you still get... <laughs> You still get that. That's amazing. You still get the point. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this is obviously the combo here, right? You get more points for crafting, and you have a larger hand size for that extra card you're drawing, right? <laughs> and you get to craft it again. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. And, again, in a Legendary Forge game, that's more points that you're denying the other people that were going to craft that later on in the game. So, pretty good. Uh, Master Engravers, right? Scoring sure. an extra point. For your crafted items. Yeah. This is good because it's not even just fixated on one suit. Mm-hmm. You can do it for every item you craft going forward and craft it again for bonus points. Yeah. League of Adventurous Mice, you know, if you're able to craft an extra item, then you have an extra action later. Move or battle action. But uh, yeah. we're getting less exciting as the card interaction. No, no, I think it's that, a, that's, I think it's viable. Still yeah. so good. Mm-hmm. Still so good. You get points and actions on a loop like that's incredible yeah better burrow bank you get to draw an extra card and you'll keep an extra card at the end of your turn See, it's i think this is big actually because the plus that you can keep six plus cards in your hand actually kind of happens to a few factions once in a while where they're like oh, yeah. oh i got all these and i want to keep them like this is in and of itself just a nice secondary ability on top of that better burrow bank allows you to draw an extra card early in your turn which mm. you then will have a strong chance of being able to craft potentially right right yeah but if you can also like fairy and like do something else and like oh i got seven cards you know like you mm-hmm. can it, it can happen yeah uh and then informants the card that allows you to take an ambush card from the discard pile in lieu of drawing a card you know if you have like extra cards you know then you don't <laughs> have to worry about that evening draw as much and so you can load up your hand with ambushes sure 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 yeah uh, yeah i i think all of these kind of card related or like card wealth generating um card effects are going to interface really well with mole artisans mm-hmm. are, are there any special teams that we should be aware of for this so barely kyle just barely <laughs> um we talked about the warlord's horde uh, mm-hmm. which is the name of my new punk band <laughs> Um, but the Warlord's Horde, uh, because you can craft the same item again on your next turn, uh, means that when you put it in your horde, you are uh, cutting out less moods, right? You always want to double up items when you can, and this card is about doubling up items. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, it's not super flashy, but it actually is pretty useful for the Warlord. Yeah, it's a bit of efficiency, and I mean, the Stronghold's tend to stick around because of the free recruits. So if you can craft it once, you can probably craft it on your next turn too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that, being able to double up on those items, get the additional actions without losing a mood is super valuable. So maybe if you are Lord of the Hundreds, Mole Artisans might be worth racing for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're going to give this one a total of six out of six cards in your hand. Uh, very <laughs> uh, nice. What is uh, What is this mole artisan is what does he have in his hand is it a carpet 
it looks like yeah like a it's like, like a, a rolled up roll. carpet yeah okay how is he an artisan what is what is his <laughs> trade like what look at his hat he clearly made it oh no he's clearly an artist i'm just saying what does he make listen <laughs> i don't think you can judge a mole by their headgear <laughs> That's what you said to do. <laughs> okay. No, here's what I think is actually going on here. I think this mole is uh, holding a map, if I'm going to be honest. You think, think that's a is... map? I think it's a rolled up map, and it's got a little backpack on. That, that map it's... is a yoga map, is what that is. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is that thing is huge. Okay. What... Is it a Why rug? Why would it be a map? Settled on? I think it's a rug. Even a if it is a map, what is rug? it? What is yeah, the what's map the theme? about? What's the yeah? What's the, what's on the map? <laughs> a location to sell his wares. He's okay. got them in the backpack. He has nothing to. Oh, okay. Well, so you're saying a location to? No, I still don't get it. He's craft. He allows you to craft items additionally. I think it's a schematic for how to rebuild the thing you just built. Maybe. Oh, oh it's a yoga schematic. <laughs> All right, we're moving right, on. No, we're recording this right now. What is this picture? No, let's move on. All right. Next up, we've got Raven Sentries. Jake? As an ability, the controller in battle may deal an extra hit if the battle clearing has buildings or tokens of your faction. Whoa. Very yeah. cool. It's, Im- it's embedded agents for everybody else, essentially. And not just a token. It's also buildings, too, right? And not just defender in battle, in battle. Mm, this nice. is dealing extra hits in attack and defense. Um, which one? I, just it's capped at one. Just to be clear, it's it's not per building or token. no, no, yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've used this one before in a game. I love this one. Well, I mean, as we've talked about with root, it having such low numbers, one hit is a ton. <laughs> like, yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, and it's a guaranteed hit, which you don't always have. Right. I don't have any more general things. I want to start talking about who it's good for. Does anyone have any general things about this? Hits are good. (laughs) Great. All right. So who's it good for? All right. I disagree, Kyle. (laughs) (laughs) No, go ahead, Sam. Interesting take. People (laughs) and hurt people hurt people. Okay. Um, Who is this good for? I think it's good for rats. Right. Rats are constantly having to like you know, do a little cleanup in their back line and stuff. And I don't care if you throw two warriors there. I'm getting a free hit. Unless I roll zero, zero, this is, this is done. So obviously you have to have a token or a building, but you have buildings and you have tokens. Yeah. Are you assuming it's a mob? I was actually thinking a stronghold. Usually there's like strongholds that you've like built up and then people will just throw a guy there to bother you. But I feel like where the rats need to clean up is where they left one rat for oppression in an empty clearing and someone just threw a bird in there to screw them, Mm -hmm. you know, which that is tokenless. But I feel like their strongholds are also clumped together. I mean, your point is still true, but I just feel like their tokens aren't consistent and like mobs aren't as prolific as I thought they would be when the warlord was first introduced to the game. Yeah, I don't like to play with mobs. Really, I know, most people don't. <laughs> like, um, it's kind of crazy. But maybe that would be like a more viable type right. of strategy because in, in games where mobs are proliferating, I feel like it there tends to be this weird cycle where like, Top of the turn, we roll the mob die. The mob populates in a nearby mm-hmm. clearing. And even if that wasn't the plan for the turn, suddenly you've got a token in that clearing now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, 
yeah. don't want to give up the free points. So now you're like, okay, I guess my warlord's got to go chase this mob. Around yeah. And I guess my warlord's feeling wrathful and I'm going to do two extra hits in this battle. <laughs> oh, brutal. Yeah. I yeah. did have partisans with it too in a game and I did do six total hits in one roll of the dice. Pretty good. Oh, man. Felt pretty good. Oh, it was against God. a defenseless sympathy token, but it was awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's seven because that's undefended actually. <laughs> Um, <laughs> we crushed those volunteers. <laughs> there wasn't a leaflet left on, in for miles. <laughs> also, birds. Commander, sure. Multiple extra hits. Very and fun. also, I guess their back line is what you're saying, like to, to yeah. protect their roosts. Yeah, no, yeah, that's that- no, I think that is more important, arguably, than for the rats. I think that's a good... Good call, Sam, especially because the way you counter the birds is to stop them in their back line and, like, start to roast the roosts, right? Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, obviously to pin them, but... Yeah, I, it's hard for me to think, because the birds are so expansive, you know, that they aren't tending to move and battle in clearings they already have pieces. No, happens, but... But they can. But also, it's still, as you said, it's not just as a defender, but it is also as a defender. So, like, it does prevent someone from coming in and doing an easy thing to the, to you. Yeah. Especially if you left a, a bird or two there to defend. Oh, right. I forgot. Disability works in defense. Yeah, that's what... Yeah, the, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So it okay. would basically force your opponents to kind of kamikaze into the roost in order to turmoil you, which might be too high a price for mm-hmm. a faction that's still trying to cling to the lead or something. Right. Yep. So, yeah, I, I do think that this shakes up the battle calculus in a fundamentally awesome way. Well, and this leads to the next faction, Sam, which I think is like maybe benefits the most, which is the cats, because they always want to battle. I mean, excuse me. They're generally always battling where their buildings are <laughs> yeah. or their wood is being protected. Like, right. They don't really want to battle where their stuff isn't because they don't want to police. They want to just build their empire and protect it. Mm-hmm. So they're always dealing extra hit. I mean, not literally, but they're frequently dealing that extra hit. Yeah, I feel like this is great because so many players eat cat cardboard. All right. To try to get to that lead, to try to clinch out the game, they are like, hey, I know you were like playing this game, but I'm sorry I'm going to use you to get a bunch of points. Right. And if they have Raven sentries, uh, that calculus is very different. If the cats are always doing a defense. Right. That points pinata has suddenly sprouted a bunch of nails or something. (laughs) (laughs) You just open it and it's full of bees. (laughs) Cat cardboard is the band that's opening for Warlord Horde. That's right. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. They're We're the cardboard cats. <laughs> um, the next one is my favorite use of rabbit sentries, and oh, sorry. Uh, the next one is my favorite use of. Ra- god, <laughs> you mean rabbit dominance is what you mean? To yeah. Say. Oh god, you, you witch! Did, You're putting did, it into my mouth. Did, did Rachel hear you like scream rabbit dominance in the middle of the night? And she's like, "It's just a dream," and you're like, "It's not a dream. It's real." <laughs> It's my waking nightmare. Um, uh, This next one is my favorite use of Raven's entries, which is the Badgers, which we can't talk about without dipping a little bit into what we're going to talk about in special teams, which is Badgers can move with their tokens. Mm -hmm. Okay, (laughs) So they can take this uh, cool ability on the road, right? Um, Also, uh, their tokens protect them for a hit. 
So now the battle calculus is two in your favor yes. as as the Badgers, right? Because you are dealing an extra hit and you're soaking a free hit. It's so, so cool. If I was Badgers, I would forget about scoring the relics. These become my ammunition that I'm using <laughs> to police the rest of the board. It, I mean, it really does change your calculus for like how you use relics and move them around because you can really take advantage of, of uh, not passive policing, but like policing on your way to doing your thing and doing it really effectively. Mm-hmm. I think this, yeah, this is probably the most fun interaction of it for sure. Even better than cats. Also, this one's real gross. The Woodland Alliance. <laughs> Why is it whenever you say something positive about the Woodland Alliance, you guys just get really unhappy? But when you say something positive for the Badgers, you're like, yeah! Badgers are fun. Well, here's the thing. Woodland Alliance cuts in on everyone else's fun. <laughs> because we're losing cards, and we have to, like, stop the Woodland Alliance. You know what guys, I mean? Guys, they're another faction. They're just another t- <laughs> I don't know. They're not just another faction. They're, like, kind of a disease oh, in the game. Oh, my God. They're a disease. Um, so, oh, there's some mold growing up in this rabbit garden. <laughs> Got to just stomp it out or uh, grow into I a base. Yeah. Here's the thing with the Woodland Alliance: all those sympathy tokens are doing a hit to you. That's, that's crazy. That sucks. Good. That's crazy. Good. Also, forget about taking a base. You know what I mean? Yeah, they take yeah, the higher roll and yeah. deal an extra hit. Oh my that god! Sucks. You it's roll the awful. dice; it's three zero. You're taking four hits. You're done. That's the game. I mean, we've kind of started to see this a little bit, but it feels like the a lot, so many of the hirelings really accelerate a Woodland Alliance game. Like it's it's just how we've talked about how they stifle the rats in a lot of situations. I feel like on average, the Woodland Alliance is always pumped to see what can come from the hirelings yeah there's always something fun to do mm-hmm. with the hirelings if you're the woodland alliance you know and they can't keep them all out of your hands forever well i guess they could but <laughs> it's hard <laughs> yeah i think it's because the woodland alliance are so like rigid right they're a, a puzzle to solve right you're the way you can go about things is very limited you you need to move according to rule and you have 10 warriors and the best part about that faction is moving your warriors to clearings and then organizing them, right? So, yeah, anything that grants you an extra move or an extra battle or lets you place a warrior somewhere, yeah, the Woodland Alliance is going to make the most of it, for sure. All right, who does this help counter? Well, you have the Badgers written here, which is, I assume, because the Badgers must battle before they delve. And therefore, if you've got some tokens in there, you're going you're gonna to hurt them a little bit more and maybe prevent their delve if they don't rule that clearing. Right. Yeah, that okay. extra hit could yeah. could be real impactful. Also, yeah. if they do have a relic, then you kind of just like equal out the uh what is it? Devout Knight's ability there. You know, you just kind of neutralize it with your hireling. So, that's kind of nice. Uh I see you've written birds here. I wrote Makes birds just because yeah, like if they're on the their attack rampage and trying to get stuff done and you can whittle them down a little bit faster, you know, they might not be able to complete their decree. Mhm. That's really it. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it makes a lot of sense. Like, it, it's just hard to, it's like, how do you get your pieces where you need to take from other people? It just really depends on what faction you are, right? I mean, like, we kind of haven't mentioned this, but the moles have a little bit of a strike opportunity with tunneling in this, right? Ooh, Definitely. So yeah. it's it's the, it's similar to the relic option of just like, oh, now I'm popping in with four moles and an extra hit. And mm. similar with uh, dropping trade posts if you're the river folk. Oh, yeah. Right. That's like an easy way to build the otter death ball and deal an extra hit in that clearing without even having to move. 
Yeah, this is, is great. so good for otters. I think I just forgot that the river folk were an expansion. Or you know, I were think a every time you need to remind people that this is the Woodland War Machine podcast, you say, and the otters are in the game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I need those reminders. Jay. Yeah, that's why do. I do it for, for people like me. Okay, well, should we rush to get this thing? It's a great ability. Should we rush for it? I'm going to say something similar to Mole Artisans, where in Mole Artisans, it's like, can you craft the thing in your hand? Then otherwise, like, why would you rush for it? Here, it's like, what kind of, like, battles can you pull off? What's on your horizon? Like, if you're an overfed river folk, rush to get this. Yeah, yeah. Go crush the board with this card. Mm -hmm. This hireling is going to help you win faster and suppress your opponents. But if yeah. you're a faction like the Lizards, I don't see what the point would be in rushing for Raven Sentries. You're not battling that often. And people aren't battling you that often either, especially early in the game. Right. And uh, especially if you have an extra hit. I mean, I guess exactly. that's... It's hard for Lizards to rush. Well, that's the thing. Whenever we talk about should you rush, it's like, can you rush is, is a <laughs> yeah, similar yeah. question. They can't rush for... Badgers truly. would be an interesting one to get this a little bit early as right. well, right? Because if they can keep the board state kind of disparate a little bit by early smacking on their way to delving that's hugely advantageous for them because then they won't be impeded in crossing the map right they'll get through the choke points and all that i'll yeah. give you another clear example which is uh two factions that would maybe have the ability to rush would be like the eerie dynasties and the cats mm-hmm. and the main difference between them is the eerie dynasties is going to have more access to early battling and the cats aren't going to want to go and spend their actions attacking the board early in the game like you know why why would they do that i will say that it makes it easier for them to do so even though they don't want to there are situations where the cats do feel threatened enough where they like oh things are creeping into my territory or like their sympathy i do not want to deal with right now even though it's defenseless it's like things are happening so i think they could do their kind of obligatory vagabonds that's a better example so like it's it actually gives them more viability to do so a little bit right I suppose so. It would make that more effective, certainly, and it would discourage yeah. people from attacking random cats. Yeah, and cats can but, rush for it if they want. But you know, I see your if, point. if you have a flop of hirelings to look at, <laughs> and Raven Sentries is among them, maybe you're not rushing for like this specific sure. one as the cats. I think that most of the early battles in the game too are not in clearings with your cardboard. Right. I feel like most of them are to get other people out of there. So that you can set up shop. And so I just feel like this card's like usefulness is really in that like tangle of the mid game, right? Where it's like, oh, we're starting to having to build on top of each other or like we're wrestling over who's going to be where. That's where I feel like this card's more effective rather than having it for one or two turns in the early game. Yeah. I, well, here's a pitch, too. I mean, if, if you are able to rush for this as the Eerie Dynasties, would that allow you to leave your roosts? somewhat less well defended and instead kind of like put more yeah uh warriors in that kind of forward force right a double build eerie would love this Mm -hmm. yeah the problem that you have with many of these hirelings is like once you get them you're going to lose control it's like now where does it go and you're Mm -hmm. giving somebody i mean it can be used in battle on either end but it's such a defensive edge because defensively is more common where the you'll have tokens that are battling right right yeah but I think you're right, though, Sam, that this card gets more powerful the longer the game goes and the more tokens that are on the board. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely depends on the faction mix, right? Yeah, a double Vagabond game is going to be real weird with Raven Sentries. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh boy. Okay. Um, <laughs> card interactions. Obviously, with partisans, we can start stacking some hits. Um, eerie emigre, we could make use of extra hits on that oh, free battle. Sure. Really nice. Um, and then ambush. If you think about <laughs> like dealing an extra hit in defense, but first you ambush them, like you've just thrown <laughs> off the map by three hits. That's brutal. We've never had a card interaction with ambush, have we? <laughs> no, I think we had one other one. That's really funny. Something we had to consider. Oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, special teams we kind of talked about with badgers being able to move that token around that relic and start really impacting the board with extra hits and saving those hits right like if you're attacking a relic trying to get those sweet prize trophy two points mm -mm cardboard uh you're gonna have to get through the badger soaking an extra hit and dealing a hit it's like they have embedded agents and devout knights in that scenario <laughs> uh i think we're gonna give this one four out of four uh, Ravens holding spiked clubs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it feels like this artwork is very clear. Yeah, Do we this always one... give them their max rating? I thought we used to give them staggered ratings. <laughs> we did. Um, but now we're just voting to move them on. So we, we do, who, no one's listening to that. No one cares what score we get. <laughs> so true. <laughs> it's situational. <laughs> what do you want me to tell you? It's a nine. This one's a nine. So get it if you have less than nine. Like, it doesn't make any sense. This is rude. There can be two vagabonds and a cats in the game, all right? My whole world is upside down. All right. That's a good uh, point. It's a nine. All right. <laughs> all right. Stoic Protector, Jake. The Stoic Protector, when hired, if the Protector Pawn is not on the map, place it in a clearing with your faction pieces. Then, as an ongoing ability, the Protector cannot be battled or removed. Then, as an ongoing ability, the controller, for the controller, enemies cannot battle or remove your faction pieces at the protector. Mm -hmm. I assume that means in the same clearing. And then, at the, as a start of the birdsong action, you must move the protector, ignoring rule. Yeah, big fan of Stoic Protector. This was the hireling that uh, I wrote a song for, for Songs of the Woodland Volume 2, Hireling oh. Extravaganza. Awesome. We should put that song after the credits. Oh, that'd be, that'd be I sweet. I don't have the rights. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do have the rights because I wrote the song. <laughs> All right. I'll write you an email. All right. <laughs> All right. So Stoic Protector is basically like a little umbrella of yeah. pacifism as long as you control it. That's it. That's basically it. <laughs> he puts his hand on the warrior's forehead and they just can't swing far enough to hit <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they just windmill their arms into the air. Because <laughs> you can't even battle him or remove him, which is crazy. Right. Like this this whole when hired ability is really only in regards to the first time they're hired, right? Right. Because they're simply he's simply not on the board at the beginning, right? Right. Which is really interesting, right? When we talk about should you rush for it. This one actually has like a start. Whoever gets it first actually has a big choice. Right. If you stick it deep in your back line, then that's great. You know, the protector is just going to be moving around your area for the first, you know, couple turns, which is I'm assuming what you want. Well, I mean, it's useless in your far back line, right? It, unless it's been infiltrated already. Right. Yeah. The goal is to get them to stop people from hitting you. So, like, I would imagine you kind of have it on your front line at first, even though you could still move it along your front line. Yeah, I think it depends. What are you prioritizing? Like, how useful is it? Or how long do you want it to just 
uh, yes. help you as well, opposed to hinder you. But that's right? what I'm saying is like, wouldn't you start it on your front line when it's when you're threatened, and then as you're about to lose it, move it to your back line so it's further away from people who could benefit from it? But here's the tricky thing, <laughs> because if you put it in your back line, then enemies come into your back line yeah, and you well, can no longer remove them from your back line <laughs> yeah but that's what i'm saying is like yeah presuming the enemies are there that's the problem already then there's not really your back li- i mean it's not really your back line the same way anymore sure yeah. yeah i think these are both valid ways to use this hireling offensively or defensively and it, choose which just, one's your favorite well, which one's the best <laughs> <laughs> which one's the best i mean do you need to protect your stuff if you're like the cats, for example, you need to protect your stuff. Or do you need to, like, break through a clearing and not lose anybody if you're, like, the badgers, for example? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's more valuable to have the stoke protector kind of leading the way and you mm. sort of, like, follow so you can't get attacked or mm-hmm. something. Mm. Yeah. Um, or if you're, like, the duchy and you're like, hey, I want to build this turn, but, like, I'm building a citadel and I don't have any warriors yet. If, if that's, like, the path you want to go down. This would be a great way to, like, buy you a buffer turn. So that, like, people can't take out your building. And then you get to recruit and bring your dudes in to, to save it for the next turn or whatever. This this could, like, be a good tactic defensively for the duchy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Who is it good for? It's definitely good for moles, right? Like... Oh, yeah. Moles love to turtle. And now the turtle has a super shell. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I was with you. Yeah. The turtle... Has an environmental protection agency. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There okay. we go. Uh, the no one can battle these turtles. Okay, and again, the turtles are moles. Uh, <laughs> that, that one's huge because, like, that uh, moles can be really sensitive. Like, oh, I want to build a building so I can craft this card, or I want to build a building so I get to draw extra cards or get more moles, right? But I'm really worried that somebody's going to pounce on the opportunity of me putting down a building to try to get rid of my ministers by removing the building, right? This buys you the safety of being able to do that. And if you build like a citadel or whatever, now you have more moles coming in to go protect it for when the protector moves. And we we didn't even get to mention that the offensive potential here is great as well. You can dig into the clearing with the stoic protector. And if you're the controller as the duchy, you can just start battling. Just start battling. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to retreat back into the tunnel to the burrow. You can just leave your stuff there. Build a building. Who cares? No one can touch you. (laughs) Yeah. They ain't battling. That's for sure. Um, Who else is this good for? Good for Vagabond. Okay. This is like going into the forest, except for you're in a clearing. (laughs) You hate the vagabond already, and now he's got a big brother looking after him. It's oh, yeah. like, god damn it. <laughs> I just want to smack you, but I can't. Also, the vagabond has like crazy mobility, so they yes. can like always end their turn there. Yeah. Oh my god. It's that's so, absolutely it's so disgusting. good for the vagabond. Um, yeah, it's a home base. It li- I'm just realizing like there might be nothing you can do about that. <laughs> no, <laughs> like the, no, you could just have you to just wait never for them give to it win to the him game. And you move it to a corner and like, <laughs> all right, well you're at least gonna have to exist in the corner if you want to play safe, you know? Yeah. Yep. Oh, that is gross. Crows. Crows. I love this it. Is, Crows awesome. is fun because you yeah. can put it on a uh, face down plot token, and then no one can do anything about that. Right, especially if it's got an agent that's ready to flip it. Like, you you got those points. Those points aren't in danger anymore. Right. Right. 
because they can't even expose it. Right, that's true. The best they can do is false orders one single guardian corvid out of that clearing. That's, that's the good best call, they can though. do to stop you from flipping. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. You got two crows there, that's flipping. No to matter be clear, what. because false orders moves doesn't remove, right? Because it, this is prevents battles or removing. Oh, it does prevent removing. Yes, which is why Mm -hmm. let's actually move right on to who does this help counter, right? Wait, hold on, hold on. One more of who it's good for. It's good for lizards, the most (laughs) fragile being. They need a little protector protecting those gardens. Okay, but who does it help counter? Wait, I got one more. The Woodland Alliances gets helped by this because if it's a defenseless sympathy token hanging out in a sensitive clearing, and suddenly the Stoke Protector is there saying, hey, no battles. Just you're bombs. losing all that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. <laughs> losing all that stuff. Well, that's but that but these two factions are why I wanted to bring up who does help counter because lizards and woodland alliance are true because they both have abilities that would remove stuff outside of battle. What would sanctify and revolting? Right. Those yeah. are preventable now when you have the protector there. Yeah. So all of the conspiracies, the stoic protector just nils. You can't do any of them. You could move with half of a crusade, but you can't battle. In that clearing against the Stoic Protector's controller, you can't sanctify the controller's buildings, and you can't um, convert their warriors. So, right. Yeah, good point. Yeah, and Yikes. so with an alliance, like a revolt can still happen there, but you still have your presence there and your pieces there, which oh, I mean, you don't wow, want to fight them, but that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, So there, it is possible that the Woodland Alliance revolts and cannot place the base no they would pl- uh yes if you have correct. all the building spaces yeah. you would not be able to place the base that's correct they would still place a warrior i guess but... <laughs> yeah but he has no home Wait, hold Sam. on hold on does you do you place it at the base though hold on oh, oh in the clearing with the base i think it's you place oh that's a good one remove all enemy pieces from the chosen clearing which you wouldn't do if the soap protector is in that clearing then right. place the matching base there and place warriors there Equal to the number of sympathetic clearings matching the base's printed suit. But if there's not a bit, ba- well, it's the base's printed suit, right? Garrick, okay. Garrick, <laughs> future Garrick, Garrick, editing Garrick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a weird one. No, I think I think we're still ruling it right. Like if you if you have all the building, if you are the controller of the the protector, and you have taking up all the building slots, and there's no building slot for them to place to to put a built base into. They can still place the warrior at a minimum one, right? Yes. But they just don't get the base. This might be a do as much as possible scenario. Yeah. Yeah, And we got a doozy of one of those coming up. Um, (laughs) Who else does this help counter? Rats. Mm -hmm. So hard. All right. First of all, it's just a dude walking around that can't be battled. That sucks. All right. So (laughs) one of 12 clearings is always going to be unscorable. And then it's. It's protecting other pieces from being battled or removed. So, uh, I mean, it protects from not only the warlord and the rampage, but their mobs as well, right? Yes. Yep. Oh, gosh. Poor rats. Uh, Poor rats. You can corner the birds in this way if you've stopped their path for battling, if you're in the way of that. Yeah, especially if they've got like a suited battle or something. And Which they usually exited do. Many of the clearings. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Otters. This is good for otters because you can save your otter ball. You know, you can always retreat your otter ball there, assuming you control it. Why does it counter the otters? Because the otters are also a death ball that needs to get cardboard points. And if people are protecting their most vulnerable clearings, maybe. I'm just realizing the thing I said about the vagabond is only if the vagabond controls the stoic protector. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So it's not that bad. 
Worst case scenario is the Vagabond's going to be invincible for four turns. But, but we're saying if they have control of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're saying if they have control of it. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was I was thinking that it was nastier than it was. I mean, it's still pretty nasty. It's gross. I mean, their hands. Yeah. Vagabond being unboppable for four straight yeah, turns is yeah. pretty terrible, yeah. objectively. They could just quest the whole time. Mm-hmm. Damage their items. Opportunistically eat cardboard and then just, like, retreat. Like, that's that's a nightmare. Should we rush to get this? Uh, I feel like there's better things to rush for. Um, although, if you are in a really sticky situation and part of your rushing strategy um, involves leaving clearings under-defended, that you could then use the Stoic Protector to help protect, I guess that could work. I'd- but to me, it like still leaves you overextended for a full turn while you've first gained control of this hireling. So, I don't know. I think if you're the cats, you rush for it. I think so, too. Because you're going to be policed pretty quickly in most games, and what better way to prevent that than by scoring some points off of buildings and maybe a lucky craft, and then suddenly you have a bully protecting you. That's a great point. Maybe moles if they didn't go small, you know, or something like that. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think cats should definitely go for this if it's in the game. I could definitely see like a formal play with right. Stoic Protector yeah, in yeah. the mix. Yeah. That could be a thing. Also, just the fact that you choose its initial placement and then every other turn it's going to move one one clearing over feels like it might be more important to rush for. What could be interesting is if uh, the otters kind of in the mid game went for a big dividends play. Oh yes. yes. An unstoppable <laughs> dividends play. <laughs> I mean, you're only protected for one turn because you can't move the trade post and you have to move this guy, but still, Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true, right. but that it could be an interesting It's that like, turn 3 dividends play, right when people are going, "Hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> How long are you going to keep doing that?" <laughs> Uh, okay, so some card interactions here. Uh, I thought Eerie Emigre was interesting. This is basically only if somebody kind of flubs the rules, but if they move into the Stoic <laughs> Protector's clearing with Eerie Emigre, and then they can't battle anywhere there, uh, then they'd lose Eerie Emigre. Is that true? Oh, if you yeah, did not if- take both actions, discard this card. Yeah. Right, because you can't take the second action. That one is not do as much as you can. Well, it's do as much as you can, but if you didn't do it all, then you lose it. Yes, yes. Correct, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, Jake, I I see you've written some witchcraft here. You've written <laughs> rabbit dominance. Now, talk to me about this. Look, if, if you just need to hold three clearings, and two of them are very strong, and you have the third one with a stoic protector, you're gold, right? It's one less clearing you have true. to worry about. Yeah, of course it's actually true. I actually know how to play this game. Thank you, Sam. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I thought you were just trolling me with the card no, that I I'm lost. I'm being sincere. To. Like I think actually dominance really is helped by this um, because it's just one less thing you have to worry about in that clearing. Now they're like, like you know what it's like to have a situation where you can't get to two of them, but you can definitely get to one. But oh no, right. there's a nine foot tall elk in the way. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is great for that. Yeah, and specifically rabbit dominance. Well, that's the most viable, statistically speaking. (laughs) All right. All right. So special teams, um, we've got some stuff to talk about when it comes to the Badgers. Okay. First of all, there's a fun little like one turn soft lock you can do, right? Which is you've eliminated all the other Badgers on the board. Okay. Except for one. And uh, it's in the clearing with the Stoic Protector or adjacent to it. So you move the Stoic Protector in. And then 
uh, you, only your pieces are in that clearing, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and you filled up the building slots with your buildings. So the badger okay. cannot encamp itself and it can't battle itself to death so that you can soft restart. You are yeah, just to move frozen away. for a full turn. Sure, which sure. If you don't do anything on a turn in route, if you like literally don't make any progress in the game, you've lost. You have to do something every turn. Yeah, that's a pretty hyper-specific situation, but a locking out of a turn is so good, it's worth mentioning. For this sure. is a yeah highly specific temporary snare lock. Yeah, okay. But then there's this whole thing with <laughs> can the badgers delve in the clearing with the stoic protector? Can I take okay. a stab at explaining this, or do you want to do it? Um, Here's what I want to preface it with, okay. and then I'd love to have you take a stab. Okay. It seems clear to me that the jury's still out on this. <laughs> It seems, it seems clear, to, clear me. to me that we have no idea. Uh, we don't make the rules, okay? I'm trying to interpret the rules, and the, this interaction makes it impossible. Jake? So let's talk about the, the retinue action, right? It's battle, then delve. First part of battle, then delve is uh, choose a clearing whose suit matches the card suit. You must, initiate, you must initiate a battle there if any enemy pieces are there. Then, if you rule a clearing and it has at least one keeper warrior, you may delve there as follows, etc., etc. Um... To start okay. the action, you have to choose the clearing. Secondly, you must initiate a battle if enemy pieces are there. The question is, is because if the Stoic Protector is there and in control of an enemy faction, you can't battle. Therefore, does this action immediately stop? I think the rules as we're supposed to be interpreting them is that the action doesn't stop. You just can't do that step, so you move to the next one. It's not conditional for delving that you have battled. If what the conditions are is that you, A, have a warrior there, and B, you rule. Yeah, it's I, I was of one mind going into the episode, mm -hmm. but like if you think about how badgers could move into a clearing without a warrior, it's a totally blank clearing. They can obviously try to initiate a battle. There's no one to battle, and so they delve. Well, they actually wouldn't initiate a battle because there are no enemy pieces there. So I don't even think they could. What does it say? You must battle if you must battle. You must initiate a battle if enemy pieces are there. So I don't even think they would even follow that step if no enemy pieces existed. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. So I'm back to it feeling wrong. It's not saying then if you battled, you would and then you ruled a clearing and then you have a warrior there. You may tell us false. It's just simply the next step in that action. Uh, I, I saw Garrick posting about this in the chat. People were already talking about this interaction before we recorded this episode. Somebody had mentioned it in a video as well. And like, it was just like, we don't know how this in interaction goes. And I think Garrick had informally ruled that it's fine that the battle doesn't occur. The delves still can happen. And I'm partial to his interpretation just because it's, it's part of the rule that Kyle mentioned, which is that you must do everything possible. Right? You must do everything do you can. Do as much as possible. Do as much as possible. So just because battle isn't possible doesn't mean you don't do delve. It's just delve is next in the, in the step process. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a sticky interaction. Yeah, and it, it, we should talk about it. Like, Wimmies, if you have opinions that are informed, please share them. If they're uninformed, just keep them to yourself. <laughs> or scream <laughs> them louder. That's what I do. That's what I do. <laughs> or get on Twitter, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and we talked about how this also is great for the Corvids with the protected flip there, too. But um, that is where we stand at the end of the first half of Group C's Hirelings World Cup. Uh, do we have some initial thoughts here on which one of these feels stronger? Who are we do you giving have a score? gold, silver? Oh, sorry, of course. 
Um, we're going to give uh, the Stoic Protector nine out of nine nines. Oh, Great. I thought you were going to yeah. give it nine noogies out of nine noogies because he feels like a high school bully. <laughs> yeah, right? you really love Lane. <laughs> Actually, he's not a high school bully. I, why am I saying that? He's stops battles we yeah. i've been calling him a bully but he is actually the hall monitor he's the <laughs> vice principal of the woodland i was gonna say he's like a high schooler who's like having a moment with like discovering buddhism or something <laughs> <laughs> guys this isn't cool we don't need to we don't need to give each other swirlies all right let's just let's just get along and go do our math homework or at wow. least don't fight my controller <laughs> I'm his friend now. I'm protecting him. Okay. All right. So of these three demoted sides, who are we giving gold, silver, and bronze to? I mean, I, I think we were all, I'm going to speak for all three of us. I think we're all kind of excited about Raven Sentries and its potential, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. To me, Raven Sentries feels the most impactful. Mm -hmm. um, where Mole Artisans is a great ability it's like if you have the right card and if you have the right crafting pieces it's like the stars have to really align for it to work also you have to have a full hand of cards in order to get the like six card thing and like it, so just a lot has to go right for mole artisans to be kick-ass whereas raven sentries is just immediately kick-ass yeah i mean yeah. well when early in the game where there's not as many tokens on the map i can see where its impact is kind of blunted but 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 def it's defensively kick-ass though kyle i agree yeah. like it, you have that there to protect your buildings or not protect them for your buildings to hit back we would feel the impact of yeah. raven centuries i think is my argument a little more than mole centuries most likely i was gonna say i think i think you're right i think raven centuries is gold i think yeah. the real debate is whether we like mole artisans or stoic protector better I mean, Stoic Protector is, I mean, questionably equally impactful, I think. But I think Raven Sentries is just more interesting <laughs> and I think more influential. Uh, Inconsistent, right? That's what we yes, were talking about. Like, it's good, good for everybody point. all the time. Yeah. Whereas Mole Artisans, I think, is like exceptionally good in those scenarios. And I don't think it's like crazy to have the stars align. Like, it's crafting a card. But you mm -hmm. also have to have this hireling. You know, yeah. I, I, I think there's a little bit of that, but it's not wild. But for sure, Raven Sentries is yeah, consistent. But Stoic Protector is situational, and that's like, oh, okay, I have Stoic Protector in this clearing that none of you care about. And everybody's like, fine. <laughs> yeah, like, it yeah I matter. can see there being a couple of dud turns with Stoic <laughs> yeah. Protector on the board. Mm -hmm. But I could also see there being a couple of dud turns with Mole Artisans on the board. I think Mole Artisans, to me, could have a big end game impact in a way that Stoic Protector might kind of plateau, sort of. But I kind of think that Stoic Protector matters more early in the game. So it it might kind of even out. I don't know, man. I think I disagree. I think the Stoic Protector is really helpful when you're trying to get from 24 to 30 and you need to protect your infrastructure to make it happen. An invincible clearing that can't be messed with is pretty valuable in the end game. That is true. It might make you uncheckable. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not countering turn. your point about the mole artisans, but it's just like this guy stops removal of pieces. Uh, that's one way to make sure that you aren't stopped on your way to the win. Yeah, yeah. I just feel like if you're the river folk, all three of these are just like insane to have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I like Stoic Protector more. Moral artisans are good, but the situation, the situational nature of it puts too many stipulations on when it's beneficial. The Stoic Protector can be pretty helpful pretty often. 
I can definitely foresee uh, opinions being divided about this. I mean, I want to make an argument for Mole Artisans because I think the consistency is there with that you can have six cards, right? I think that's a pretty decent ability. And I know that there's like birds and rats aren't going to care. They're not going to get up to six cards. But I feel like basically all the other factions will. Maybe not Vagabond. Or Woodland Alliance won't really. Mm. They're going to be putting them into training and stuff, you know? Right. But then that crafting, though, Woodland Alliance, big crafting faction. Crafting helps. I mean, they they want it. They they want it for sure, but they're not going to get to the six point. Yeah. I think, like, Birds is the faction that makes use of this the least. But every other faction is either really impacted by at least one of those two main abilities with the keeping the crafting card or just having six cards. Whereas, like, Stoic Protector, like, I can see a world where it matters, but that feels way more like the stars have to align for me. Yeah, because it creeps along one clearing at a time. Mm-hmm. Every bird song. That, that yeah, it's slow and steady. It really depends on where it starts. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I mean, they most both... most hireling pieces don't move very far very quickly, guys. That's true. That's true. But for the demoted side, it's a little bit about, like, what's the passive ability and, and how much does it get you ahead in the game? It is pretty I, crazy this is a demoted side ability, the Stoic Protector. Right. It's another <laughs> demoted side with pieces. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and it's one that just neutralizes. It stops battling as nuts and removal of pieces. It's mm-hmm. crazy. I mean, there's a direct link between crafting and scoring points. And there's kind of an indirect link between having the Stoic Protector and scoring points. But there's a direct sense. link to having the Stoic Protector and protecting your stuff. And true, preventing true. them from scoring points. Assuming it's near your pieces. I'm kind of assuming it's near your pieces to talk about its relevant ability. Yes, that is but true. But we're talking about how relevant is the ability. You well, know? but the mole artisans are only relevant if you have an item card, which how many of those cards are in the 50 card deck, 54 card deck or something? 20. Okay. I mean, th- that's a lot. But like, it's also the situation on top of that of having the crafters on it, right? Just, and is the item even craftable at this point when you have them? Because Kyle made a point about, oh, in the late game, Mordesons might get you that push. But are there items still available in the late game? That's true. Hmm. It's interesting. Uh, you could also make an argument, too, for Mordesons being good early in the game because you could deny items to the rest of the, the board. Yeah, I think it's better early. It's kind of fascinating to think about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if you care about keeping your stuff safe, then it's going to be Stoic Protector. And, you <laughs> and know, if you like, ride a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just crafting tea left and right. <laughs> you just whip out that yoga mat and you got the artisans. I mean, <laughs> if you guys both vote artisans, that's, we're a democracy, so we can, go, we can give them the silver for sure. I'm going to be honest. I am a board state guy. I think I like the Stoic Protector... Or I understand it better. I can see its impact more clearly in my imagination. And so I think I'm leaning that way for the silver. All right. You heard it here first. They hate mole artisans. (laughs) (laughs) Let us know your thoughts on (laughs) (laughs) Twitter.com. Let's see if uh, these uh, demoted sides can be redeemed by the second half of this episode coming out next week. Uh, when we talk about the promoted side, which are the Corvid Spies, the Sunward Expedition, and the Furious Protector. Oh, he's so mad. 
<laughs> I can't control my emotions. <laughs> I do like that the demoted is stoic and the promoted is furious. That's fun. Like, so, when you see that this is the demoted side, you must be terrified to know what the promoted side is. Yeah, yeah. Even though we didn't give him gold, I feel like it's just like a bonkers powerful ability. Yeah. Well, if you enjoyed this episode and want to give us any kind of feedback or uh, want to vote in the next episode, the only way you can do that is by joining the Good Time Society Discord and joining that sweet, sweet War Machine channel. Sorry. <laughs> I will rename it Sweet Sweet War Machine Channel this week. No, 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 okay. You got to join the Good Time Society Discord and join that Sweet Sweet Woodland War Machine Channel uh, where you can talk to us, you can give us your thoughts and stuff, you can uh, start making your trips to Portland, Oregon for an unnamed, unannounced event that may or may not involve us. Um, if it doesn't involve us, I'm going to be so upset. Wouldn't that be wild? We're like, everyone fly to a town you don't live in. And, and then they banned us from the event. <laughs> awesome. Well, anything else from you two? Go check out the Winter Tournament oh, streaming this entire month uh, over on Garrick's Twitch channel, Garrick Samples Games. There is a schedule for the winter tournament that I believe Sam posted. Uh, I mean, it's on Garrick's uh, stuff too, but I believe I pinned it in. Yes, I did. I pinned it in the Woodland War Machine channel. So it actually has the full calendar of all the times that the games are happening. They're all in Eastern Standard Time. And for some of you Pacific folks or people uh, on the other parts of the world, that might be at weird hours. But um, I watched I watched a few early morning games and it was it was fun to fun to see with a a little cup of coffee and a little bit of intrigue. Oh, and they're oh, on the weekdays best. now, folks. Like, get yeah. ready. If yeah, you it's... don't have a traditional weekend, you can just eat these things for breakfast. <laughs> and if our game recaps are not enough for you, you can feel free to check out makecraftgame.com, where Lily is uh, updating the tournament statistics uh, constantly. And so you can keep a finger on the pulse of how each faction is doing Who's winning and how? Is it points? Is it dominance? Who knows? You can find out over on makecraftgame.com. <laughs> wow. Are you reading copy that she sent you? Oh, no. I'm just making it up. That's really great. <laughs> That's, That's really good. <laughs> really good. If you put your fingers on the pulse of the woodland, what sound does it make? Root, 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 root